Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live! Wired Access. Welcome to Wired Access Season 2. We have made it here. Another signed 48 episodes with Herdat Productions. Thank you very much. For those who have supported our show all the way up to this point, Make sure if you haven't already, hit that subscribe down below, hit the thumbs up, whatever you do to share, like, follow, but make sure you help our message get out to others so they can find, whether it's an inspiration, whether it's a stress, a struggle, or anything of that sort that one athlete has went through that could help them get over to the hump to get to their next level. Today, I am welcomed with my co-host, Brian Southworth, owner of Wired Training Center, and then to my, in the middle of both of us, we have A.J. Forbes from the Montana Grizz. Lee's, Woo! man, the energy that this guy brings. He is a former Bellevue West football player, so he's from the area. Um, he grew up in the area. He grew up with the same passions that a lot of kids had. But his journey to where he is today is something that I think some people have to realize it's okay to go off course because the finding that you had is something that many players can't say they've experienced on the other end of success, right? Um, so we'll get into his story. First of all, welcome to the show. You just finished the biggest year that Montana's ever had. We'll get into that part because I could already see the smile, just the energy that your team brings. But, man, you're from Bellevue. What what was it like growing up around here in football, and what and where did it all start for you? Just the love of football. Yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, my dad was was always my my youth football coach. Uh, started playing tackle football when I was seven years old because I was always the the biggest kid in my grade, and there was no use in and a big kid like me playing flag flag football. So wasted <laughs> time. Exactly. Uh, I was always going to be an offensive lineman. I knew that. Uh, but yeah, I started when I was seven years old. My my dad started coaching me. Uh, all the way through Little League, uh, the old BGSA uh, fo- football league, um, all the way through middle school, and uh, went to went to high school at Bellevue West, uh, won a state championship there. And uh, no, yeah, I, I've I've loved growing up in Bellevue. Bellevue has been uh, a, a special place in my heart. Obviously, uh, it's where I, uh, and, and just in terms of, of of sports, it's where I fell in love with football. It's where I fell in love with with competition. And, and it's it's given me a lot of different skills that I've taken forward in my life. Well, and I like that you brought up, uh, let's just say, BJSA, because, of course, the numbers aren't the same as a lot of the schools there that are the other products that are out there. 
Um, so you really have to play both ways. You have to really experience that factor of the game. What was it like growing up, just even on that part, to learn your competition part? Because you're going up against some teams. I need, I remember we played some Millard West teams or Millard South teams, and they got 30, 40, 50 people on the other sideline. You might have 22, maybe 25. What was that like, and how did that start the fire for you? Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, the younger I was when I was playing tackle football, uh, it was it was all about you – know, I, I, you, you never really know what you're doing when you're a little kid. It's all about having fun. It's all about playing with your friends. Uh, all of my teammates at, uh, from when I was like 7 to 10 years old, uh, we all went to school with each other. We saw each other every day uh, during school and then went to practice and played games with each other, so that was awesome. Um, the older I got, the more I really started to understand – what competition was, uh, especially with my dad being my head coach. Uh, we would go home and we would talk about, you know, he would he would draw stuff up on the whiteboard for me. You know, just, you know, just a, the super early age, he would draw stuff up on, on, on the whiteboard for me and explain to me how different things worked. Uh, and the older I've gotten uh, through my through my football career, the more I understood that uh, if you, the, the ultimate goal is to win. Uh, it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, to have fun, it's to win because winning is fun. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. I like that. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not like uh, it's not like you go out and and play a game and you lose. You're like, oh man, I I had fun though. You know, it's no. Uh, it's winning. Winning is having fun, and that's what I learned at a, at a young age. Well, and I like that he's bringing that up, Brian. Your kids are young. You're hearing this from someone. You coach your kids. These are the messages that you have to try to portray early, but. But it's not always easy. You're looking at the competition that you're going up against. You're also looking at the level of your sons. What is it hearing, obviously, a, a football player who's made it all the way to the college level and played at the highest level for himself and, and more? Well, I mean, gosh, if you look at, like, you know, what sports and, and the ability to build character through sport, right? I mean, that mindset is wanting to win. That's going to carry you all through life, right? I mean, there's nothing – there's going to be nothing in life that – you know, you're going to go in, it's like, okay, I can be second. You know, that person can have that promotion. You know, that person can have that, right? Like, man, like you want to win in everything you do. So, you know, I love hearing that mentality because in today's world, you don't always hear that. But, you know, deep down, I know the most, the most successful people I know have that same mentality. When you look at what you grew up with, other sports, was there anything else besides football? I was a football coach, so I know how as a father and all that, you kind of stick hard on that but I also had to go outside of my box and fill in one time for soccer coach I had to fill in one time for a basketball coach so I had to learn that aspect was it only football for yourself no I, I mean you, you hear uh coaches talk about it all the time now it, it I think it's it's truly important to really uh d delve into different sports like uh growing up I was never just a football player uh uh my first sport was actually soccer and my dad hated that because, you know, uh, the, the whole stigma around soccer, I, I'm not going to get into that, but, <laughs> but it was just, it was just for a uh, uh, little AJ to, to get into a sport and get, be active and start learning what, what sports are and everything like that. But my, my primary sports growing up were it was football, obviously. And then uh, I was a big baseball player. Uh, my dad was, was a minor league baseball player for a, for a long time in the, in the Royals organization. Um, my mom was a was a softball pitcher. She she pitched at uh, Omaha St. Mary for for uh, for a long time. She was had a great career there. Uh, ran uh, at middle school. Ran track. Uh, ran the hundred meter. Uh, threw shot put and disc. Um, 
all the way up until up all, all the way up through high school. Uh, so no, it, it, it's, I think it's really important for, for kids, especially early on to, to go into different sports. Well, and I like that you brought up the hundred meters because a lot of linemen, they try to just stick to the throwing. What did the hundred meters help you? Not just physically, but I think even more mentally, just to understanding that I'm not here to win, but I'm here to continue to get myself better. What was that like growing up? Yeah. Uh, I think especially when, when you look at track athletes, a lot of the times it's, yeah, yeah, of course you're trying to win the race, but a lot of the times you're trying to beat your last time. Um, and growing up, I, I was naturally, I was naturally a gifted athlete. I was blessed enough to, you know, to be tall, to be fast, to be strong. And, um, so being in the hundred meter was, was something that was generally out of my, out of my comfort zone, uh, initially, but I was able to, to get better at it. I was able to, to compete and I was able to go out and compete in a sport where, um, like I said, I was out of my comfort zone. Uh, there's a lot of, there's kids that were hundred pounds smaller than me and that I was trying to be in, in races and, and, and for, you know, frankly, I did pretty, I did pretty good in the hundred meter, but, um, uh, it wasn't my strong suit, but it was something I really enjoyed competing in. Well, and I like that you brought up comfortability and everything's easy if you stay comfortable, but when you get out of that, how do you think that also just help your mindset, understand that I'm okay to continue this battle, even when it's not in my favor. I think, uh, you, you touched on it, uh, in today's day and age, um, it's people like to stay in their comfort zone. And when you stay in your comfort zone, you don't really grow. Um, it sounds cliche. Um, but I think when you, when you go outside your comfort zone, it allows you to, to test yourself. It allows you to see, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good at this, but if I go over here, I'm not good at this. How do I need, how do I need to improve? in order to in order to get better at that and i think that's a really valuable experience brian multiple sports multiple multiple events i've told you many times on the show of how important that junior or that a uh, junior high or middle school is where your kids get a test they get to try things have you really thought of that i mean gunner's coming up real quick and of course baseball is the family gym right that's that's what you live on but there's got to be that outlet for them to go okay maybe i can learn something from that other sport um and each semester the best or each quarter they get to do something different for free compared to let me go pay this hundreds of dollars to some organization that i don't even know what i'm a part of yeah i mean i think getting to a, a mindset where you can be comfortable being uncomfortable is one of the most valuable things for a kid or you know a young adult kind of growing up because it's that growth mindset that Hey, like I'm challenging myself every week. I know, you know, like this is where I'm at now and that's just the time and place. Right. But this is what I can work towards. And, you know, I'm sure he took that same mindset as, you know, if I improve in my hundred meter dash, right. Or hundred meter sprint, it's going to make me a better lineman. So that growth mindset, you know, is probably what helped make him what he is today. So when you look through your high school stuff, when did you really start to hone in on the football side, whether it be camps, whether it be extra workouts, because I think everybody's different now. That That's always the same, right? But if you at least start to think about it, look at it at a certain age, maybe you can start developing those those tendencies. Yeah. Like I said, I, uh, in high school, I, I was doing different sports, but uh, pro- it was it was always a goal of mine to, to play college football. I kind of knew that was the avenue that I was going to. to uh, that's, what, that's really the sport that I took the most interest in, and I think that was the sport that I was the best at. 
And so I, I wouldn't say I was I was kind of funneling myself into into football in high school, but I knew that's kind of where my where my best chance was to play college sports. Um, but just just kind of going forward from there, uh, it was you know early on, especially uh, for you know my freshman year, I was starter on the on the varsity team, and and that was a, that was a big deal for me. That was something that was a goal of mine. Um, and after that point, it was. There was a bunch of college scouts that would that would come and 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 gauge my interest and really see if they were interested in me as well. I think a lot of people don't realize that they are they don't think about uh, not not is the if the prospect is interested in the school. It's really if the if the school is interested in the prospect. <laughs> and when you talk about this part of that, I, I think sometimes it's a scary road, right? You got. Some that will deny you, some will that make you feel like you're a million bucks. What was that feeling through? And what was there certain schools that you already had eyes on thinking of and what you wanted? Yeah, growing up in Nebraska, the really the, the goal is to to play for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, I think if you talk to any ten year old kid that plays football, their goal is to play for Nebraska. See, that's hard though because yeah. you guys haven't seen them win. I know. So yeah. that's like so, like. There is that persona, but there's also like I got to get out of here because they're not winning. I want to get more, and I, and I think you're you're starting to see that now, uh, especially in the last few years. Uh, we could talk about my Nebraska journey if, if you want. But, of course, um, really going through the recruiting process. It, it's I mean you're uh, especially when you're when you're a highly recruited uh, prospect. I mean, you're, you're, it's like it's like the dating scene. Like everyone, every, everyone wants to everyone wants to come and, and, and get you and get a piece of you. And you're getting courted by all these different coaches. They're they're explaining to you how how their place is the best place for you. Um, but the the what was really frustrating to me during the recruiting process is is I knew that I was I knew that I, that I could play at the at the at the Division One level. Um, and I, I was blessed enough to to get a bunch of. Uh, a, a ton of uh, D- Division two scholarships. Uh, the, the one I, I would really like to mention is is uh, Northwest Missouri State because I thought they were uh, they're, they're a great football team. Obviously, uh, Coach Boswick is is a, is a great family friend uh, of, of ours, and he 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 was nothing but loving and caring and wanted the best for me. Um, but that was that was kind of the 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 part of my recruiting process that was difficult because I knew I was I knew I could play at the divisional level but I wasn't really getting a, a whole bunch of that attention. Well, and I like Brian. He brought up a, a great point of the some of these coaches really make you feel like the family because they mean it. And, and obviously, Northwest Missouri State has been one that comes up here and grabs kids left and right, but it's with purpose. It's not just going, hey, let's see what we can dig into the into the area. And, and when you look at the just the college rankings, I mean, you got South Dakota State now coming down, and you got you got uh, North Dakota State that will grab some kids, and you're seeing kids even go to Oklahoma State. You're seeing all these kids get the opportunity, but then if you look at some of the local, it's very slim pickings. Whether it's the Huskers, whether it's I mean, Carney's starting to pick up now, but. For a while, they weren't looking here. So when you see that in the in the realm of Nebraska wanting Nebraska, it's kind of scary to think that it's easier to go across state line, you know, for these kids. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I think the the state of the Nebraska football program has kind of changed, like since you know when when we were kids. But um, also, I think 
like social media has to play a huge role in that, right? I mean, there's a ton of talent in the state of Nebraska. We know that. I mean, it's a great product on the field, but, you know, now with like Huddle and the ability to share videos, I think it just helps like, you know, get these kids out there in front of these coaches and, and um, you know, see different options other than just Nebraska. Did you feel social media and Huddle helped you or or possibly hindered a little bit? I think. Uh, I think I think recruiting through social media is bigger now than it was even when I was in, in yes. high school. I mean, now that I think about it, I mean, that was 10 years ago, which makes me feel really old. But uh, I thought, like, I, I try to use social media as a way to, to, to market myself, to try to, uh, now looking back on it, it was me trying to build some kind of brand for myself to try to, uh, to put out there for coaches to see and, and for them to see what they would get and me as a prospect. And when you think of that, was it stuff where coaches would kind of help and let you know? Um, because we always say it, one post could be the beginning of something big, and one post could totally ruin anything that you ever thought you had in a brand. Yeah. I, no, that, that's the that's the really scary part about social media is, like, you, you have to – if you're going to use that as, as a basis for recruiting, if you're in high school and you're going to use social media to try to get yourself recruited – I mean, it, it kind of has to turn into a job. Um, if you're, if that's going to be a part of your recruitment, you have to be able to uh, say the right things. You have to, most importantly, you have to, you have to know what not to say, what not to post. Because, uh, like you said, it's there's a lot of kids, <laughs> there's a lot of kids out there that, that really get in trouble for what they uh, even like, you know, retweet, uh, yes. share, share on social media. Uh, so it it could be a real hindrance. Uh, but for for me, I I kind of understood that. Uh, when I was doing it. And so I tried to, I tried to put out as much positive information out there as possible. Well, you said your parents were both athletes, mm -hmm. the athletes of what they were to, to, to today's athletes is a night and day difference. Mm -hmm. What guidance were they able to provide for you um, on that aspect of how to represent yourself? Social media wasn't a thing for them. I remember when we were growing up, we're pulling out tapes and putting tapes together, not, you know, this, hey, we'll just take clip 63, 68, 69, boom, I got a showcase. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that they that they helped me with, uh, it wasn't so much the social media because they, they didn't they didn't understand that as much. Uh, it wasn't uh, any of the it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't anything like that. It was just kind of getting through the fluff of recruiting because there's a lot of there's a lot of sales, there's a lot of Hey, come to my school. It was it was them uh, pushing me to look through all the all the fancy stuff, all the fluff that re that a recruiter would throw at me, and really focus on, okay, do I do I want to go to school there? Do they do they have the degree that I'm interested in? Do I get along with the coaches? Uh, that's another thing. Uh, people, you know, when you, when you hear all the time like, don't go to a school because of the coaches. Uh, go to the, go to the school because you want to be you want to go to school there you want to play for that program you want to have that that university on your chest I think I think going going to a school where you get along with the coaches is huge because that's who you're gonna spend a lot of your time with that shouldn't be the primary decision but I think I think that's a that's a huge factor because that's that's who you're gonna spend most of your time with but yeah my parents allowed me to to look through all the fluff and in, in recruiting and really focus on what was important Brian the word fluff has came up a lot and and it's it's almost like, uh, let me show you my big cuss spoon as you got a spoon. How do you think are some of the things that you're going to also provide for your your kids to understand the difference between the real and the fake of, of what a recruiting could be for them? Um, I think, you know, one important thing is 
the coach recruiting you is probably not the same coach you're going to play for. You know, I mean, there's a salesperson that's going to recruit you and then there's a coach that's going to coach you. And sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people like, you know, get the salesperson, right? Then they show up on campus and they're like, this was not the same person that recruited me, you know? And then I think there's a lot of schools that, you know, they spend a lot of money and cool things, but like, what do they do with it? You know, what is like their development program like? Um, and then other parts like roster, right? To be in like, what's the depth in that position? Um, I think those are kind of like three things that get overlooked quite a bit. And when you look back to everything that you're dealing with through the recruiting process alone, what was your biggest thing that you would say for a recruit to watch for on the fluff side? And what do you think is something that you were able to pinpoint that this is genuine, this is what I feel to you? It was kind of hit on already, but I think I think the the major thing that a recruit needs to 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 look for as they're going through the recruiting process is, is don't don't pay attention to uh, the how they invest in and in, in their facility, how they invest in and in trying to make things look cool, new uniforms. Uh, it, it's tough growing up uh, when you're a 16, 17 year old and you're like, Hey, Oregon's got some pretty sweet uniforms, you know. But this is talks about every time because it's that it's yeah. that real. Yeah, I mean, no, it's real, and 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 it's. I mean, you got to be. You, 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 once you go into college, I mean, you got to kind of turn into a man, you know. You got to you got to really look at what's important. Uh, you got to ask tough questions. It's gonna be a, uh, but you got to ask ask those tough questions to your to your your recruiter who, like you said, is might not be your might not be your position coach. Um, like when I was getting recruited to Nebraska, uh, it was it was uh, old Coach Kenny Wilhite, uh, Coach Coach Greg Austin, who was the offensive line coach when I was there. Wilhite could sell he, a, a a ketchup stick to a guy wearing no, white gloves. No, no, he was dude. He was he was he's a great dude. Uh, and he, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean he's no, just no, that no, good. One hundred percent. Like he he truly, I agree with you. He truly cared about um, every player that walked in through that door and wanted to make sure that. That they were happy, that that their potential was getting reached. He would push you if 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 you if you needed pushed. Um, no, but he was he was a great dude. He was my, one of my favorite guys on that stuff. Well, and and go ahead and just talk about that for a moment. Obviously, okay, you're playing for Bellevue West, powerhouse local football program. So you're seeing success. You're winning a championship. You're looking to go to that next level. What was just that recruitment like prior to Nebraska? What was that scene like for you? What was the feelings? And then what was it after you finally get the first talk from the team that you're really ideal looking to go to? Yeah. Um, my So my senior year uh, at uh, Bellevue West was when uh, Scott Frost was coming in, coming back in to be the, the new head coach at Nebraska. Um, and with that came a, a lot of hype. It became, you know, there came uh, a lot of uh, – real excitement around around the state because he was you know he was the guy uh playing quarterback in, in the late 90s and coming off an undefeated yeah, season yeah, coming off an undefeated, an undefeated coming season. off a coaching fire yeah, yeah yeah i mean it the, the it was it, the excitement felt like an all-time high in nebraska when, when he got hired um and the there's the, the i got offered a, a walk-on spot you know we there was a there was a walk-on night that they hosted, and so there was—I mean, there was a lot of great talent uh, around the state of Nebraska. I mean, just off the top of my head, it was—it was Brody Bell off of, uh, from Millard West, All-State running back. It was Matt Masker, who's one of my best friends, uh, 
C1 all-time leading passer for a little while, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, as a Stallbird, who I just played against in, in the national championship, who plays at South Dakota State now. Um, and there, there, was a, there was a great walk-on class. Uh, they got invited up there. Uh, each of us got got, and got into Coach Frost's office, and we were – we were extended the walk-on offer, and and a lot of a lot of us took it because it uh, it was they were selling they were really selling the walk-on program. They really wanted to to rebuild that tradition because obviously Nebraska has a huge a huge walk-on tradition. They were trying to rebuild that, um, and we all, all almost all of us took the offer. Yeah. And when you think of that offer, what's the parents' talk behind it? They probably aren't caring about the money part. I mean, I know for me, if you're going to live a dream and you're going to do it. I'll worry about that other stuff later. Obviously, grades could take care of it, whatever it is. What was that like with the parents when you first got to talk to them about the preferred walk or the walk-on? Yeah, so the the uh, at, at that point in my recruiting process, it was I was really choosing between uh, that walk-on offer and then uh, actually going to the the Air Force Academy on a, on a full football scholarship. Um, with with the with the experience, I love the experience at Air Force. Um, I loved all the coaches there. Uh, the camp, the campus is the, some of the, one of the most beautiful campuses you'll ever see. The football program is obviously very good. Uh, it was just the the military commitment at the at the end of that playing playing career. There is is kind of what um, I, I wouldn't say scared me away, but that's just not the career path that I wanted to go to. I'm I'm so I'm so thankful for uh, Coach Lobo and and uh, all those guys at at uh, the Air Force Academy. But I was really choosing between them and then that that offer that walk-on offer in nebraska and i remember getting into the car after after we left campus and i'm talking with my parents and uh, i was talking about how hey I, I know i can play at the division one level air force was my only other division one offer at that point um i knew i knew i didn't want to go down that route and um nebraska was the only other division one school that really extended that opportunity for me. So I, I felt like I could, I could walk on and I could go in and, and get a scholarship at some point. And that was kind of the trajectory that I had my mind on. It's got all the right stories. It's got all the right facts. It's got all the right stuff to build up of, man, this is my spot. I'm getting to play for, I get to wear the red in. Everybody wants the red in. Everybody wants the cream and the scarlet. You step in the atmosphere of the first game of just even being on the field. What was that like knowing that this is what you've lived for and whether you're a walk-on or you're a scholarship, you still got to put on the pads, you got to walk. What was that first first moment like for you? Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of got goosebumps thinking about it right now because uh, me and a couple other uh, true true freshman walk-ons, we uh, I, I remember we, we got the chance to, to suit up for the first game. It was a non-conference game against Akron. Uh, that game kind of set the tone for the for Nebraska. Well, for the did, because the <laughs> you know the worst part is is everybody says there's moments in life you remember where you were, what you were doing. Okay, I got nine eleven. I used to work at the airport, so I know exactly what I was doing. I was working the two to ten shift. Get a call as I'm waking up about eight something. Hey, we're gonna need to prepare you when it came to like nine. So like I remember that to the day, you know. But I remember this because I was DJing a sweet 16 at this girl's house and it's humid as all get out in Omaha. Right. And I'm in the backyard just sweating bullets. They're all in the house. And I'm telling my wife how mad I am that I'm out here. No one's out here. I don't even know why I'm here. And then she's like, don't worry. There's storms coming through. The game might be delayed. And like, I, I even remember 
hurrying up, packing everything up, getting my parents' house, thinking this game was a go. What was that like from the from the from the player point of view? I mean, it was it was it was, it was crazy because uh, it's it's my first game as a college football player, uh, true freshman walk on. I prob- probably wasn't gonna play. Yeah, I, I knew that, but it was it was cool. I, I got to wear the uniform. I got to put the pads on. Uh, the tunnel walk was crazy. Uh, I remember like as a kid, you watch that, you watch that all the time, um, and now you get to go experience it. And I remember the, the gates open and the fog machines rolling out, and then you walk out past the fog and you see a hundred thousand people in the state. It feels like you're walking into the Coliseum. Like it, no, it was it was insane. And then uh, you know you you do the warm up and then. As soon as kickoff happens, uh, the the officials come out to the middle field, give the warning. Both teams go to the locker room, and we're sitting there for probably you know four hours. I think it was it was ridiculous because yeah, we were all expecting like, all right, you know, it's going to be like thirty. They're going to get us going. It's going to be like thirty minutes to an hour, and we're going to go back out there, and it's going to be the first play, uh, yada yada, and never happened. We we was all just sat we all sat in the locker room for. We were like four hours after that, and then Coach Frost comes into the locker room about four hours in. He was like, "Hey, they're just gonna, they're just gonna call the game," and then just we just went home. You went from the highest peak, Brian. Do you remember where you were doing or what you were doing when this game was about to go down? I was fortunately coaching baseball, so <laughs> yeah, we'll fall baseball. So it worked out, you know. Uh, you know, I had mine right, but I do remember the game and. You know, you always like just kept, kind of kept looking. It's like, why aren't we starting? Why aren't we starting? Why do I not see a score? Right? Like, right? I mean, what's going on? So, do you feel as a player, had this game went the way it was supposed to and just play, win, lose, or draw, do you think this would have changed any of the trajectory? I I, I don't think so. Uh, I think I think it would have been nice for um, because for- I I could tell you it wasn't a guarantee win. That's for sure. No, Akron was already coming off some heaters yeah um no i don't i don't think it would have really changed the the trajectory of of the of the frost era at nebraska uh there's when you look when you look at a struggling program uh that that just consistently struggles um there was a there i mean there was there were so many guys in that locker room that that cared and and tried so hard to, to try to right the ship and and um yeah, like Mo Berry, Matt Farniak, Tanner Farmer, just all those guys. They were so they were so steadfast in in their focus and their preparation for everything. Um, it was it was awesome to see uh, to see to see something like that, in spite of the fact that you're consistently having losing seasons, um, consistently seeing adversity in front of you, just trying to get to a bowl game, even. Um, as we're sitting here seven years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was just it, I I. It, I I want to I want to shout out Tanner Farmer uh, for a second because he was he he was a guy that kind of took me under his wing when I got there. He he is the nicest guy. Um, he he did everything he could to to try to make my freshman year as as tall tolerable as possible. Because anyone who has played college sports probably knows your your freshman year if you're not playing right away, it's it's some of the, I mean it can be it can be miserable frankly because you're not playing, uh, you're working out. Uh, you're, 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 you're not going out and competing on the field. Most of your reps are coming in practice and you kind of, you know, it's, it's, you're just kind of, you're just kind of in a funk. So how do you distinguish between you knew what was possibly going to happen to reality? Yeah. I think looking back on it, I just remember, 
I remember going up against, you know, like the the Davis twins and and uh uh just just there were so many really good football players on on that team. And I think as as I go into my redshirt freshman year, which my, my second year in Nebraska, uh, I felt like I was really starting to develop. I felt like uh okay, everything that I thought is 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 coming true. Like every I remember during um spring ball on fall camp every time we would have have a uh have a scrimmage uh they would always grade you know you, you know they always grade us out yeah and i i always i was graded out really well um so i knew that i was going in the right direction in, in terms of that see and we had so we did our first year this is actually our year three me and brian but uh first year we did it at his facility at wired training thank you very much for that of course but We'd always have a baseball bat in the back going off because it's at a baseball training center. Uh, but we had JoJo Doman on. And and uh, that was thanks to Brian Inselman, um, who's obviously trying to get where we'll get together again. Um, and Brian's like a brother to me. I've known him for so long. But we had JoJo Doman on it. And I think one of the biggest things we had to realize is in that guy's playing career, he had obviously the reconstruction, the knee stuff, right? But he had three defensive coordinators that he had to try out for when you're going through your process and you're thinking and you're seeing coaches come and go and maybe not in your position what is that like mentally for just even your fellow teammates going through that yeah uh, i've been lucky enough in my in my playing career to not have to um uh to not have to deal with with a, a massive coaching change uh, the the biggest coaching changes that that I have had in, in my playing career, whether it be in Nebraska or at Montana, uh, it was just uh, coordinator changes. Um, like just this last year at, at the University of Montana, we we had a, a change at, at at our offensive coordinator spot, and even then, it was it was it was an internal promotion. Uh, it was our, so that's a little more comfort, yeah, yeah, comfortability. So, but, but I've seen um, like at Nebraska, there there was a there was a bunch of there was there was you know there's turnover every year at any school and. It's really tough to to go through that turnover because, um, especially if it's an outside hire, you have to you have to rebuild the, the that relationship that you have with your with your uh, position coach. Uh, I was lucky enough at Montana to have uh, uh, Coach Chad Germer. He's I mean he's he's a stud. I mean I I love I love that guy. He he did he did everything he did everything the right way. Uh, me and his relationship is was awesome uh, and still is. Uh, but when you when you get that coaching change, uh, it's just, it's just tough to, you know, it's, it's like starting all over again. Uh, you, you have to rebuild that relationship. If you have a new offensive coordinator, defense coordinator come in, you have to learn their system. If they don't adopt the system that you were already running, if you have a new head coach, then you have to, then everything changes. Uh, so it's just it's just really hard to adjust to that sometimes. I think it's really tough too. Like when you go with a change, I and mean, you're usually like there's a person that recruited you, a position coach that you're talking to. And then, you know, a new person comes in and you lose that, you know, now you just got to, like you said, build that trust with a new person and, you know, they're going to bring in their guys too. And I'm glad you brought that up because every year there's more people coming in. What was that like going into your, even your red shirt going, okay, they're bringing in people that could possibly take my job because they've already fed them. them, Right. Right. No, no, it was, uh, uh, my freshman year, it, the, the transfer portal wasn't wasn't a huge wasn't a huge thing which is a whole other discussion uh the, the, the transfer portal um wasn't a huge thing my freshman year 
uh, and that was, and that, that was kind of part of the reason why I, I, I decided to walk on at the university of Nebraska. Cause I, you know, I looked at the roster and I looked at what kind of depth we had, uh, um, in the O-line position, especially the centers and the guard spots. Cause I knew that's probably what I was going to play. Um, but yeah, that's, that's tough. Uh, every, you know, every season, even if you're a, a solidified starter, um, they're going to be bringing guys in. They're going to, they're, event, they're eventually they have to replace you, whether it's that year that they come in or, or after you leave, they ha- they got to replace you somehow. So they're always trying to bring in better guys. Now you go through the COVID year with Nebraska. What was that year like? And, and w- did you feel like it took away from you as a person or do you feel like it helped you on your mental side to get better of who you are? Yeah. So we, I think, I think we got through like a week of spring ball before we went, before we left for, for spring break. Um, and then during that spring break is when the announcement was made that the that the pandemic was 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 raging and that we had to yeah we had to shut the, we had to shut the school down we couldn't practice nobody was on campus um it it, it was it was kind it was kind of nice to to have that time off because uh going into it was it, I mean going into that spring I was like all right like this is this is my time this is my time to really show this coaching staff that I'm just not a, a normal freshman walk on. Uh, I'm a guy that can compete for a job. I'm a guy that can play at this level. Um, so that part of it was tough. Um, but when we got, when we got let go uh, and, and never came back, uh, it yeah. was, uh, it, that allowed me to, to really uh, kind of do a self scout on my, on myself and my situation and really self reflect on, and what I was getting out of this, out of, out of this experience. So in, in that way, it was helpful. Well, and Brian, you, you've had many athletes that went through this that are now in the MLB or are trying to get their way. You're hearing him talk about the reset, the, the mindset of how does that even go for you've talked to these, these athletes, how, what would, what do you think was your biggest thing that you could help them with and, and just talking to them? And what do you think is something that you felt like you couldn't help? You know, I think going into that is, uh, all these athletes have had so much time or so structured, right? Like, I mean, they've had like, Hey, we're going to do summer weights. We're going to do summer workouts. We're going to get beat in the fall, you know, then like spring starting, we're going to get ready for track. Right. Like, you know, very rarely did people have like, man, I got three or four months to be on my own limited interactions. And, and there was people that looked at that as a, an opportunity, right? Like I get to focus three months myself. I get to lift, you know, and, and do all this. And, figure out how to make it work or there's like people's like man this situation sucks i mean i'll, I'll add to that uh so when i th- this this whole pandemic time is when i decided to go in the transfer portal when i decided to go to the university of montana uh that whole that whole process of uh going through the summer going through fall, a part of fall camp and then us getting the notification that uh the the big sky conference was canceling the season I mean that that was a that that, that took a huge toll on on all of us mentally because you know a lot of the schools at the FBS level they they had their season uh, yeah. w- whether it was shortened or it was just conference they had or, something or, or they had something uh, the the hardest part was just not knowing it was just we 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 were working so hard and we didn't know if, if we didn't know if we were gonna have a season uh, all the structure that we had uh, go, going into that fall was up in the air we didn't know what was gonna happen and I think. I, I love what you said, Brian, about uh, athletes just cons- cons- consistently having structure in their lives. 
because that's just that's just how sports are. I mean, it's it's every day you have is planned. And when we were in that situation of whether you know are we going to have a season or not, that that took a big toll on us mentally and emotionally. Well, and before you get to that season, you make the you make the decision to leave Nebraska. How's that conversation with yourself? But then you also got to have it with your parents who back everything that you're looking to do. What was that like to even think of it? Yeah, I mean that was that was that was a real. Honestly, that, that was a real low point in my life. Um, I remember having, uh, you know, after every semester, you have an exit meeting with your position coach, your head coach, or, or however however the program wants to do it. But usually have an exit meeting with your position coach, and I talk about, okay, what, what, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? How, do you, how can you improve? What's your kind of career traje- trajectory looking like right now? And I remember uh, going into that exit meeting, and I'm I'm prepared to be like to try to make my case, uh, like hey I feel like I'm improving I feel like I can fight for this spot, uh, and that's when that's when I get told that uh, that Nebraska thinks I'm too short to play Division One football, um, that I'm gonna have to fight to even get on the travel roster, let alone get a scholarship, um, and that that was a real low point in my life. I remember walking out of the exit meeting, going to the team meeting right after it. I have tears in my eyes. Like I'm just about ready to blow. And then I get to my car and and we're leaving for our our winter break. Uh, And I I pull over on the side of the highway and I just start bawling because I I feel like, I feel like my whole, my whole career is just falling apart. It's not, it's not becoming what I want it to be. So that was a, that was a real low point in my life. Well, yeah. I mean, you're at these games, even if you're not playing, you got anybody that's from the Omaha metro area going, AJ, AJ, everybody knows AJ. You know, they know what you've came and done. And now you have to turn it into, man, this isn't going the route. What was the support by the parents and how to, how long did you even sit on it for a moment to, before you just went and talked to them about it? I mean, after I, after I kind of collected myself on the, on the, side, side. the side of the highway. <laughs> Dude, those are surreal moments. So like you, you have to understand, like, you're not the only one. You're not the last one. And, and I say it because that's what we try to get in these messages to these athletes. Like you're going to have that moment to go, either I'm going to pick myself up off this goddamn ground, or I'm not going to become what I want it to be. Yeah, And, and I really had the, I mean, I, I, I leaned hard on, on my parents and, and my now fiance, Alyssa. Uh, I, I, I mean, I leaned on them hard because I mean, when you, when you have a moment like that, like, there's a lot of self-doubt. It's, it's like, that was the, that was the only time in my career, in my college football career where I was like, you know, I was asking myself, can, can I do this? I'm being told consistently that I can't do this. Can I do this? Am I not see? am I not seeing what everybody else is seeing? Um, but no, I, I, I leaned on them hard. Um, and they, 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 they were going to support whatever decision, uh, I made going forward after that, because they knew the, the toll that that took on me. Um, and, and they were just there to, to try to support me. Brian, you've talked about measurables. It's starting to become more of a thing of, okay, this is what you need to be weight, height, whatever. What does it mean when you actually hear it in action at, at a division one level? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, we look at uh, a lot of coaches just like, oh, he's this tall or someone, you know, runs this fast. Then, you know, we kind of take out the Kenny ball, right? Like, can he actually play football? Does he have the it? Right. So it's, it's tough, you know, because a lot of people get 
get opportunities taken away from them because they don't hit one measurable when, you know, given that opportunity to get in a game, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So that's tough. It's, it's tough to hear. And, you know, I, you know, it's, it's really tough to go through too, because you believe in yourself. Right. And so parents believe in you. There's, there's a whole team of people that invested in your success and, you know, it's just because they think you're not tall enough or, or whatever. It's tough. You go through that moment. What was your first call when it went back to the school? Who was the one that you talked to on that? And how did that conversation go? After, after, after that exit meeting, uh, that was in the winter, you go back in for the spring semester. That's when, that's when spring ball starts. And, um, I didn't really mention, mention that to my coaches at all. Um, whether or not that was a good or bad thing, I don't know. Um, but it, I was just no uh, two week notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the two week notice was COVID. That's what it was. Uh, but you know, I was just I was in constant contact with with uh, my fiance Alyssa just about how everything was going, um, what my experience was like, um, talking to my parents obviously about everything that was going on, talking to talking to my fellow walk ons because uh, they're guys had had started to leave already tried to explore other opportunities um and and i i really i really didn't i really didn't want to transfer uh i've always been a guy that that really wants to stick things out even even if they're not going well i really i really want to stick things out but i knew that if if i'm being told by my position coach that you know that i'm not going to play and i'm too short and my arms aren't long enough and I'm going to have to fight to get on the travel route, the travel roster for the next couple of years. Like at that, at that point, it's just, it's, it's, it's self-preservation. It's, it's trying to extend the career that you're, that you're wanting to have, you know, you get to looking at other colleges, you get in the transfer portal. What was that first time like, and what was it like on the options? So it it was kind of like going, going through the high school recruiting process again. Um, you know, you're getting quartered by, you know, however many schools. Um, it, it was a crazy experience. I, I was literally out for, for, I think I was in the transfer portal for two, two and a half weeks. Um, and I was on the phone from seven in the morning to nine at night. I had the, I, I, I was talking to 15, 16, 17 different schools at a time. And I had to keep a, I had to keep a notebook about, you know, who, you know, coach, coach so-and-so is from here and, they're offering this, this, and this. This is what they think. Um, I like that. That's a good point. I, I hope if someone finds it, that's a, that's a good gym. Have a notebook of your likes, your dislikes, but really have it so you have names yes. and and locations. Yes. And like I, I, you know, I was finding myself like, you can have a coach Jackson, but there's like three coach Jacksons, and I was put, <laughs> and I was putting my, I was putting like, I was trying to find their like school colors and emojis, and trying to add that to the con, you know, add that to the context so I can just keep everybody straight. Because like I said, I was talking on the phone from like seven in the morning to nine at night, you know, trying to find wh- what my next home was, um, and, and it was great. Uh, you know, there was uh, most most of the schools. I think I I, I want to say I had I don't know, fifteen or sixteen offers coming out of the portal most of those were fcs schools um but that's got to at least turn the fire back to go okay someone sees no yeah what i'm seeing yeah I, I, absolutely like uh, i you know i got my film together from nebraska i put it together i put it in, a, in a, into a youtube video that i could send out to, to all these coaches and and the fact that i had all these 
the fact that I had all these, all these coaches from division one schools that were like, Hey, we're willing to invest in you, uh, as a person, as a player, it, it was super, uh, it, it validated my thoughts on myself, which, which was a great feeling. And I tell you that validation to make a big decision. What was the, well, you had two schools before air force, Nebraska. What was the, what was the last couple decisions there, but before you chose Montana? Yeah. So Montana, they came, Montana came in, uh, uh, my offensive line coach, coach, coach Germer, he came in, uh, about four, probably four days before I, I committed, I committed there, but it was really between, it was between, um, Montana, um, Southeast Louisiana after, the, after they had just came off, uh, they had just came off a, a, a playoff berth when they lost to Montana, actually. <laughs> um, uh, and the reason I, I, I liked both of the reason I liked Montana was because uh, they they were uh, hist- historically elite. They they were always good. Uh, they, they're in the top th- two, three, maybe in in all time playoff appearances in the FCS. Uh, they had won national championships before. They knew how to do it. Uh, Coach Houck, uh is who was the head coach at, at the University of Montana. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, he, he just won uh, – he's won the most games in the Big Sky Conference history. Um, and with Southeastern Louisiana, I really connected uh, with with Coach Selfo, who's the head coach – or is it, it was at least the head coach there. I don't know if he's still there or not. Um, his son was actually uh, one of the O-line coaches there. Okay. Uh, so I got I got along with them. Uh, really well and they were competing they were a high-powered offense they were competing in the playoffs uh, but it really it was it was those two schools that I was that I was picking picking from and I, I just felt like culturally I would fit better in, at the University of Montana it was a bunch of uh, it was a bunch you know like you you look at the roster I mean it's a it's a bunch of hard-working overachieving guys that are coming together uh, to, to try to win a national championship. See, know? when I think of these smaller schools, of course, Wyoming's had a lot of success with grabbing kids here. So, you know, I think of the grit, the grind that Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, like there's just, there's elements of the game, but just life that they have to go through that some people just, you're you're either all in or you're not. Like there is no halfway, oh, I'm going to go to Montana, see what's about. You're either going all in or not what was the first time walking on that and uh making that decision and going this is this is my home what what was the final reason why it made your home yeah uh, it, it was difficult during that during that recruiting process because it was it was during it was the height of covid uh i i couldn't go on a visit there i couldn't see the facilities i couldn't meet my teammates you don't get the crowd filling you don't get the, yeah so I, I it was literally and, and it wasn't just montana southeast I was getting, I was getting like FaceTime, FaceTime videos, uh, the FaceTime <laughs> tours uh, of the, of the facilities. I had to, I had to do my own research. I had to reach out to, to, to guys that, that played, that played at the school that I was being recruited at to really try to gauge their, well, what's like, what's the truth? Like this, is the like when you're, when you're going through the recruiting process the second time, you know, first time it feels nice. Uh, like I said, it feels like you're, you feel like you're dating, you're, you're kind of sorting through all the fluff. Second time through, I mean, it's a it's a business decision. I mean, it's not it's not really you don't get the the traditional recruiting pitch. It's hey, you come here, you get the opportunity to play for a national championship. You coming or not? You know, I mean, that that's yeah. that, that's really what it was. And uh, based on the conversations that I had with Coach Germer and Coach Hauk and and some of the guys that were there 
uh, at Montana at that time. I knew it was a bunch of just really gritty, hard-nosed, hard-working people, um, and I, I knew I could fit, fit in with that. If you look at what you've experienced at Montana compared to what you experienced in Nebraska, what do you think was the winning part of it? What do you think the that made it where you guys could win? It's, it's I think it's just a culture, man. Uh, I, I'm when you say like when you say culture, that can mean a lot of different things, but like everybody is bought in at the University of Montana. Everybody, but that's bought- always the story we heard for Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, it's Scott Frost. Everybody's gonna be bought in. Like, how do you distinguish what is the real on that? What and when you're, I'm on the outside looking in. What really tells you that is what it is? I think really the the it's hard to identify a good culture from the outside in it's really easy to see inside out um there's a lot of things that happen in a building um that a lot of that the normal fan doesn't see it's it's how do it's how do offensive linemen and dbs you know how do they how do they uh, mingle with one another that they just kind of sit off in different and separate part of the locker room and don't mind each other or or is it like montana where you you sit in with like uh, offensive linemen sit with linebackers and they talk with each other like every like everybody's a family or there wasn't there's no there, there was no clicks at montana um everybody everybody was was truly bought in and everybody who wasn't it was really hard for them to stay you know because i mean it's it's a when you when you have a culture like Montana, it's it's uh, you it, it was a player led culture. Like the coaches really never had to had to rip any ripity asses at, yeah. at, at Montana. It was always like, hey, if you're if you're not doing the right thing, uh, player A B C is is gonna get India, and he's gonna either tell you to go home or tell you to get it right. I mean, that's the that's I think that's the true measure of of whether a team is bought into the culture that the head coach is setting is when it's a player-led culture and not a coach-led culture. And when you look at that part of Montana, how long did it take you to get to become the A.J. Forbes that you are today? Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the A.J. Forbes that I am today, it, it took when, – when I, when, I when I went there, I, I made a conscious decision like, okay, I am going to – I am going – all in like this is my last this is my last chance to do what i want to do uh as a college football player so i I made the mental commitment to go all in i am i am looking up how many playoff appearances montana had i'm looking up where all my teammates are from i'm you know i'm I'm seeing who we played in the 2001 national chip yeah i was really trying to buy in and really surround myself in montana culture um i mean that that was the it, it it took a while for me to become the player that I am today. And I think if you talk to any player year over year, you're going to, you're going to see uh, even just minor improvements that make a big deal. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to have 42 starts as a, as a, as a, as the center of the university of Montana. Um, and every year I had things that I wanted to focus on to get better. And that's what uh, turned me into the player I am today. Brian, you, you have a player here that not only loved to play for the Nebraska, that was his goal. He's 45 minutes from home. Moving off to a state that, one, you're lucky if you can get there by plane, train, and automobiles, right? Depending on the weather. <laughs> it's a hike. No kidding. <laughs> What's the furthest that you've been away from family that you would think that this would kind of reel in and go, man, I mean, for me, I've never been away from my family except for like my extended family. 
we've always, I mean, we've lived in Holland, but we never, it was family. It wasn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I don't have the, I chose like in my backyard when I went to college, right? Like there was yeah. that, that comfortability, like, you know, I chose a program that had a bunch of success that, you know, I, I saw myself playing. Unfortunately, I didn't get a, a lot of playing time. So, and, uh, I found out I didn't love playing the game that much, you know, to, to move on and, and take the chances that you took. So, I mean, that's someone that truly loves the game and, and wants to like excel and win. So much respect there. Yeah, and that, that was part of the recruiting process to me. Cause I, you know, obviously I would love to stay uh, kind of close to kind of close to home. Cause 90% of my family lives in the Omaha Metro area. And, yeah. and I, I would love to, for my family to, to see me play as much as possible. But as, as I went through the recruiting process, there wasn't a whole lot of Midwest schools that were offering me. It was all in the South and it was the, the Northwest. So you already had that mindset going, okay, well, they'll see what they get to see. If not, we'll have to make it work. You get on that first trip to go to Montana from here. What was your, like, just, I mean, cause Montana doesn't have the full shopping center just up and close. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't been through Montana. I, I, we, we just did um, Yellowstone this last year. So I kind of, when in that area of, uh, you know, Yellowstone of, of just traveling that area, uh-huh. it's a little more dense where it's wide open areas. You have to get to reality where darkness is a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. What was that like in, in life changes? Yeah, so, uh, when we, when we decided to make the road trip out, cause obviously, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the bed and you gotta, you gotta get the whole, the whole thing when you move, uh, except you're moving 17 hours away. Uh, so I mean, I mean that 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 was that was a that was a big deal. It's not an easy flight either. No, it's no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not a cheap flight either. Uh, going to Missoula, but um, when we started the trip, you know, we we went through we went through Wyoming, which was just is just a, a desolate drive. I mean, that is just a, a pain to drive because there is nothing there. Not many speed limits either. Not many right? speed limits, but there's nothing there. There's a hundred miles between each gas station. So yeah, like, you better you better plan where you're stopping. Yeah, you better hope that they're open. Yeah, um, and then so when when we got into Montana, uh, the eastern part of Montana is is more plains. It's it's, it's a little hilly, um, but then you cut you cross the the Continental Divide, and that's where uh, that's where you get into Western Montana. That's where you see these these massive mountains that you're driving through, I mean, which was scary coming through, coming back to Omaha because I, because we, we, me and me and Alyssa decided that we were going to drive back to Omaha from Missoula in January, which is, a, was an awful decision, but uh, that, that's, that's what <laughs> yeah, happened. That's what he's been doing. Cause I was like, wait, can we do an episode? He's like, well, I mean, I got, I got to drive back. And I'm like, I, cause I know of like, even just Yellowstone, there's times where you can't get from East to West. <laughs> And there's roads that close that you can't, there is no easy detour or, hey, we're off 96 over here and there's some road construction. We'll just go down Q, take one right on on, on 72nd and get back on. No, yeah, we we picked probably the worst weekend that uh, to to move across the country, but that's what happens when you play in an Astro Championship game, you know? (laughs) But uh, no, uh, as soon as we got into, as soon as we got into Missoula, it, it really it's it's kind of like it's really like a traditional college town and it is so beautiful uh the 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 river runs right through downtown uh it separates uh downtown missoula from the campus um the 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 facility like the football the athletic facility is right at the base of a mountain that uh, i mean it's i mean it is the most beautiful campus that you will ever see 
Um, but when I when I got there, like when when I was driving through the the canyon and then the mountains open up because Missoula is kind of surrounded by mountains. It's kind of a bowl surrounded yeah. by mountains. You get through the mountains and everything just kind of opens up and you see Missoula and it's just like, oh, uh, uh, I'm here now. Like, this is it. Like, I, this, this is happening. This is home. This is home. And that's, that's another thing. Like, I didn't have, I don't know where I was going to stay. <laughs> like, coming in that, like, that day when I rolled into Missoula, I didn't know where I was staying. So me and my parents stayed in the hotel for a while until I connected with a couple uh, teammates to crash at their house for, for a summer. But, uh, no, that was, that was a crazy experience driving out there. Playing for, for Montana, you get a lot of experiences. What was the one that you're going to cherish? Obviously, this most recent championship run, but there's got to be something that started to keep that fever going for the 42 games that you had to play. Yeah, I, for – I mean, just addressing the, the 42 games? Yeah, well, yeah, like what was, what was the first fire that you felt like this is it? Yeah, so when – so my my, fir- my first start was against uh, Central Washington, which is a Division two school. Uh, we played a, a sp- like a short and spree. We had played a two game spring season after our fall season was canceled. Yeah, so we so we played we, yeah we so we played those two games against Central Washington and Portland State in the spring. That first start against Central Washington, like that was that that was the culmination of everything that I had ever been working for up up until that point. Uh, I, I was I was handed the keys to to to, an, to a veteran offensive line, and I was a redshirt sophomore. And they were like, "All right, you got to run the show. If you're going to be a center, you got to run the show. Here are the keys." Uh, that that was like I remember walking down the tunnel, uh, going onto the field, and like I had I was I I got I was so emotional because like I said that was everything that I had, I had ever wanted in in the in my college football experience to be trusted to be a starter. To, to be trusted to, to try to lead a team. Um, and as you go forward, you know, 40 some games later, um, I think that was really just the the competitive side of me. It was the competitive spirit. I was like, all right, I mean, this is, this is everything you ever worked for. I mean, this is it. Like this is everything you ever worked for is right in front of you. You got to take advantage of it. And that's, that's what, that's what really got me through those 40 some games. What was your calming point at that moment? Because obviously you talk about the the tunnel walk for Nebraska. You talk about this part of the goosebumps, all the all the emotions. How do you ever find the calm so before the storm? The calm, for me at least, the calm happens after the first play. Like after you know the 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 pageantry of of the game beforehand. You go through the stretch lines. You do whatever each team decides to do before a game. You have kickoff. After that first play happens, that that's when it's like, all right, like I mean, it's just you're in it. Uh, and so, and some guys, some guys will get antsy throughout the game, and it takes them a drive, a quarter, maybe even to try to get settled in. But I, I always said, like, you know, before every game I ever had, even when I was a little kid, some people would ask me if I, if I are are you nervous? And and a lot of the times I would say, uh, yeah, like I'm nervous. But it was always, I was always anxious. I was always, it wasn't nervousness, it was anxiousness. It was anxiousness to get to that first play. Because after after I, I, I felt a guy and I felt that first hit, I, I was good to go. Bryony brings up two great words right there, anxious and, and just getting through that. You deal with athletes all the time that have this pressure. I mean, you're trying to hit a ball that's going three, I mean, you got to hit it in 1.2 seconds. 
how what's your what's a common mechanism that you think that both sports can use to just get them comfortable in what they need to do yeah i mean uh anxiousness isn't isn't always a bad thing i mean that's energy right it's it's that ability to to recognize like where this is coming from and and to, you know remind yourself like the separation is on all the preparation I've done. I've done this, you know, I've done this a million times. I know what to do. You know, sometimes you just got to sit back, take a deep breath, control your breathing and then go compete, you know? And it's funny. It's like getting hit also helps too a little bit, right? Like you gets you in that like little fight or flight. So I think, I think, uh, when, like when you compare football to baseball, you probably play more baseball games than you practice, you know, uh, in football you have a week to prepare sometimes two weeks. If you have a bye week uh, to prepare for the game that you're about to play. And and I was, I mean, I was so diligent in, in trying to prepare for the, the defense that we were playing, you know, Jersey numbers, how do they play such and such formation? If I try to execute this block, how do they respond to it? I was just so diligent in, in that preparation. And if, if you prepare well enough, uh, you can see, I mean, it happened so many times throughout my career where I prepared so well that I go out to the game and they're doing exactly what I thought that they were going to do on a formation, on a play or whatever. So I think that's, that's huge. Well, and I, I tell people all the time, everything that I do is stuff that I love. And even people are like, Oh, you got this. We did the live show before. As soon as I pulled up, I start walking around and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just walking. Like I got it. I know what I got to do, but if you don't get those butterflies, if you don't get those feelings, about what you do, just go ahead and stop. It's not worth putting energy in, even when you've done it a million times. Don't put the energy in something you can't get those feelings back. When you think of those feelings that you went through at Montana and all the the extraordinary feelings, what's the number one thing that you're going to miss from those? Uh, I think the really the main thing that I'm going to miss being being a Montana Grizzly is is just being in that locker room. Like that was such a great group of guys. Uh, I got I got caught crying during a press conference <laughs> after <laughs> after the national championship game because you know I, I wasn't so much emotional that we lost the game. Um, as a competitor, you want to win that game. Obviously, I mean it's the biggest game that you're going to play in your life. You want to win that game, but I wasn't emotional because we lost the game. I was emotional because that was the last chance that I was going to have to be teammates with those guys that I had worked so hard with, that I had fought through adversity with. Um, so that, that was, that was the main thing. Did you have any teammates? Oh, go ahead. What'd oh, you know? I mean, you know, like thinking back on your experience and that, and, you know, reassessing everything that you went through that led up to that point, like what's one piece of advice you would share, you know, with this, that high school sophomore that's just getting in this, like what's one thing you wish you knew back before you started all the everything? I, I think, you know, the, the main, the main thing for me is uh, it, it came kind of innately to me. I don't know if it's, it's, if it was my DNA or the way I, I grew up, the, the main thing for me is, is if you give a hundred percent of, of what you got to something, you will have no regrets. Like, um, after the national championship game, like I gave, I gave everything I had during that season. I played through. I played through injuries that probably would have put a lot of guys out. Um, I, 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 cause I love my teammates and that it was, it was, it's just, it's just in my head that I got to give everything that I have for, for my, for my brothers. Um, 
and that that pushed me through that pushed me through injuries that pushed me through adversity it was it, it, just giving 100 percent of 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 what you have into something uh that's the that's the biggest thing because if if you don't then there's no point in doing it we'll get you out of here on this one you're currently working on a new adventure you got a couple of them mm-hmm. go ahead and share that share the legacy that you felt you left at montana as well yeah as, as far as as far as legacy goes um i hope that uh i hope that that my teammates and and the fans that were there um i hope i hope that they can look back on on my time there and look at my career individually and say he gave everything he had he was he was the leader that we needed uh we could always count on him uh to to do what he needed to do to try to put us in the best possible position to win a game that's i mean that, that i mean there's nothing else you could really ask for um in terms of what i'm doing right now um I got I got done training. Uh, my, my my pro day is April second. Uh, I got done doing that about three hours ago. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm working uh, with uh, Jr. Eppley, uh, who is the son of, of Boyd Eppley, uh, and I'm working with uh, Gibby Duval, who is the owner of uh, Explosive Edge. Uh, he has a couple locations here in Omaha, so I'm working with those guys. They do a great job. I worked with them in high school and off and on during my college career so they, they do great work um i've always had great results uh when i worked out with them um but and also in the meantime uh, uh a few years ago i started this i started this sports media company called uh Barnburner sports um during the the COVID season where we didn't have a season i found myself uh looking for something to do it was it was an idea that i that i that i had been chewing on for a while and i figured that was a great opportunity for me to do it um i knew that at that time i i I felt that uh players weren't getting the proper representation uh in in the sports media uh this was before uh players had were doing their own podcasts and yeah and doing their own social media stuff um so I, i wanted to make something that put the focus on on the on the player as opposed to what that player can or can't do his successes and failures uh so as as i've gone through that uh, i've been doing it kind of more more so as a hobby the last two and a half years just because of of the of the, of the things that i needed to do as a college football player and as, as as a student uh at the university of montana but at this point i have i have a, a decent chunk of time so uh got the website rolling the the social media accounts are rolling right now uh the youtube channel we're trying to come out with stuff once a week on the youtube channel uh so it's a it's a great it's a great experience for me well i greatly appreciate your story and and the message that you're wanting to give is exactly what we love to give and and i say that as we finish our season two episode first episode of season two we got a great message a couple weeks ago, and the message was from a father of someone we interviewed. And all he said was, thank you for the interview. I had a couple NBA recruiters look at that video and made the best judgment on my son because of what you did. All because of this story here, and you're going to be a part of it. So once again, thank you very much for helping the story, helping one parent, one athlete understand that you're not alone in these situations. There's no book. There's nothing you can read, but you can listen to what people have experienced to get out of their comfort zone, to beat the the stress, the struggles. 
all the way from the lowest to the, all the way the highest of going to the FCS championship. Didn't win, but that experience you could never pay or buy again. Once again, heard at production of Wired Access Podcast. We'll see you next time. A Heard at Sports Network production.